turn this evening in God's Word to the book of Genesis once again, Genesis chapter 27. There are a couple of uh, passages dealing with God's creatures that takes place between Genesis 22 and Genesis 27, most notably the story of Isaac making his way uh, back to Laban area. Uh, and the whole watering of the camels uh, through Eleazar. It wasn't actually Isaac, it's Eleazar with the camels. And then we have Rebekah coming out, watering those camels, which leads to ultimately Isaac and Rebekah uh, being married. And then they bring forth two sons, one by the name of Esau, the other by the name of Isaac. We pick that part of the story up then after these boys have grown. Uh, they're adult men at this stage. Genesis 27. When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, and he answered, Here I am. He said, Behold, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver and your bow. Go out to the field and hunt game for me. Prepare for me delicious food, such as I love. And bring it to me so that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Now Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game and bring it, Rebekah said to her son, Jacob, I've heard your father speak to your brother Esau. Bring me game and prepare for me delicious food that I may eat it and bless you before the Lord before I die. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice as I command you. Go to the flock, bring me two good young goats so that I may prepare for, from them Delicious food for your father, such as he loves. And you shall bring it to your father to eat, so that he may bless you before he dies. But Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be mocking him, and bring a curse upon myself, and not a blessing. His mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice. And go, bring them to me. So he went and took them and brought them to his mother. And his mother prepared delicious food, such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her older son, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And the skins of the young goats she put on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. And she put the delicious food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. So he went in to his father and said, My father, and he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game, that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? And he answered, Because the Lord your God granted me success. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Please come near that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. 
When Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, who felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. He said, Are you really my son Esau? He answered, I am. And he said, Bring it near to me that I may eat my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near to him, and he ate, and he brought him wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him, and Isaac smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth, and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac his father, Esau his brother came in from his hunting. He also prepared delicious food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's game, that you may bless me. His father Isaac said to him, Who are you? He answered, I am your son, your firstborn, Esau. And Isaac trembled very violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate it before all, and I ate it all before you came. And I have blessed him, yes, and he shall be blessed. Thus far the reading of God's word. Let's again pray and ask for God's blessing on it. Our Father who art in heaven, we thank you for this portion of your word. We ask that you will guide Pastor Bob as he speaks on this word about this that went on. This we ask in your name alone. Amen. Three things from this passage again this evening. First of all, the deceiver. Secondly, the deceived. And thirdly, the declaration. The deceiver, the deceived, and the declaration. Well, the deceiver is pretty obvious in this passage, is it not? It's this man that we give the name Jacob to. Since his birth, he's been known as a deceiver. When Jacob is born, in Genesis chapter 25, verse 26, he is called Jacob, meaning the supplanter. The reason he was so named is because as Esau is born before him, the elder, Jacob comes out holding on to the heel of Esau. Those who witness this birth look at it and say it's almost as if the second is trying to trip up the first. He's trying to trick him. He's trying to make him fall. He's trying to make him falter. He's deceiving him. And so they give him the name Jacob, meaning, literally, the supplanter. So even before we come to this episode in Genesis chapter 27, even in his birth, we read of that. Actually, it's even before that because Rebecca reports of the fact that there's a lot of turmoil going inside of her. That these, these two are jostling for position rather than accepting, as it were, the positions that God has assigned them. 
Jacob in his birth is seen to us as a deceiver. But there's another incident that takes place before this one. Another famous incident that most of you are aware of. Esau has gone out hunting. He returns famished. So much famished that the lentils that Jacob is cooking smell so good. And he's willing, by offer, to sell his birthright. Now we might say the foolishness of Esau. Yes, we could say the foolishness of Esau. But there is also Jacob who is taking advantage of the situation for his own gain. God doesn't come to Jacob and say, hey Jacob, I know you're number two, so find any trick you can to get blessings. You've got to work hard at this. You've got to be deceiving. No, the Lord comes to us and tells us to trust him, to put our faith in him, to look to him. But not Jacob. Jacob's got to take matters into his own hand, even with this stew situation. In fact, Esau is going to say later on, two times has my brother deceived me, referring to the incident with the stew. But now we come to this one. And look at to the extent to which Jacob, the deceiver, goes. He lied. To his father. How many times don't we go through this passage? Are you really? Are you really? Isaac is, something's not quite right. But Jacob, oh yeah, yep, I'm Esau. Make no mistake about it, I am Esau. And everything has been put in place to make sure that the deception works. The food that is prepared is exactly that which Isaac is loving and craving, and he's hoping that, that Esau will bring, brat, bring back. Now it comes from the hand of Jacob. Did you catch the fact that they've even put on Esau's clothing? They, they've put on the clothes of Esau so that the smell of Esau, the smell of the land, the smell of the earth would be there. It's rather obvious that as we come to this passage, those words, now Isaac was old, means that some of his senses have have gone. He can't see. His hearing is failing. Some of his taste is going. His touch beginning to go. Jacob deceives his own father. His own aging father. His own failing father. Wearing the clothes of his brother. But but then they go to one more step, right? Verse 16 of, of the passage. They put on the hair of the goats. They take the goats that they have killed for the food. They skin them and somehow or another tie it around his hands, around his neck. So that if, if, perchance, Isaac were to reach out and touch, which he does. If you, read, if you remember how the story goes, he does. He, he, he's, he's not trusting all of his senses, and, and so it's, I'm going to touch, I'm at least going to feel. Yep, it feels, feels like Esau. 
Oh, how deep the deception has gone. He is indeed the deceiver, is he not? And we could look at other incidences in Jacob's life where that becomes the means by which Jacob is, is always trying to get around. Even after he has wrestled with God at the Jabbok, he is still trying to control and manipulate the situation and to deceive Esau. Oh, you see, I only got this much family. I only have this much goods. Not yet fully trusting the Lord. And so our passage that, that we've read reminds us then of Jacob as the deceiver. But Jacob is also the one who is deceived, is he not? He goes to Laban. The, the end of this passage is that they, because of Esau's anger, he ends up having to flee to Laban. There at Laban's, catches his eye upon Rebecca, on Rachel. Makes an agreement with Laban. I'll work for, for you for seven years if you give me that daughter. But Laban, as we know, pulls the old bait and switch. And instead of giving him Rachel, he gives him Leah. Do, do you see the irony a little bit? Jacob had pretended to be another person to get a blessing. What does Laban do? He switches people on Jacob. It, it, it's, an, it's an irony when we look at it and we say, oh, huh, imagine that. The deceiver is now the deceived. But it goes a little bit deeper yet with Laban. Remember the birthright that he kind of wiggles out of Esau? Laban changes Jacob's wages after he marries Rachel and Leah ten times. He finally says to his wife, I've had it. I've had it. We're getting out of here. We are leaving here. Your dad is crooked. Your dad keeps shifting things. Your dad keeps tricking me. He keeps changing my wages for his own benefit. One wonders if he hears himself. Deceived for profit is exactly what Jacob himself had done to his brother for that birthright. But Jacob is deceived again, isn't he? By his own son. Jacob, the son, deceived his father. Now Jacob, the father, is deceived by his own sons. You recall the story as it goes on, right? Jacob has his 12 sons. One of them is Joseph, the one to whom he gives the coat of many colors. His brothers sell him as a slave to Egypt. Remember what they did with the coat? Remember what they did with that coat of many colors? 
They ripped it, shredded it, and dipped it in the blood of an animal. They bring it back to Jacob. Bring it to him. Jacob looks at it. And Jacob's statement is this. Surely a wild animal has ripped him to shreds. Here's Jacob. The hair of young goats on his hands and neck. The final thing, the final thing that Isaac says, okay, now I'll give you the blessing. I'll give you the blessing. You've got to be Esau. Here now sits Jacob looking at this coat. A complete deception. Certainly a wild animal has torn him to shreds. And what does Jacob do? He grieves. Do you know how long Jacob grieves? You think, how long did that last? How long did he grieve? 17 years. Not once does one of those sons come clean. Not once do one of them come and say, Dad, wait, I got to tell you something. I got to tell you something. Remember that coat? Joseph wasn't killed. No, he he wasn't killed, Dad. We we sold him. He's probably somewhere in Egypt. I don't. Not once in seventeen years. The deceiver is deceived. The deceiver who deceived with the hair of goats, is deceived by a coat, perceived by him to be the sign that his son, Joseph, is dead. You might say, Pastor Bob, most of what you have just said pretty much new. learned quite a bit of that in Sunday school. Yes, we have. Many of you have. What's the point of that? In a sense, the point of it doesn't make sense until we get to Psalm 46. So if you have your Bible open yet, turn with me there. Psalm 46. God's word to the choir master of the sons of Korah, according to Alamoth, a song. It's what we sang a few minutes ago. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. 
The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He lifts, he utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Jacob? Jacob? Wait a minute. We, he's the deceiver. The God of Jacob. He's the man who spends 17 years in the pit of despair. He's the man to look at him. People were saying, oh, this guy's got it bad. His sons don't know what to do anymore. The God of Jacob? From a certain perspective, I mean, we know it's God's word. We know it's inspired. But from a human perspective, we'd almost want to say, did they get this right? Shouldn't it be like the God of Noah? Eh, maybe the God of Abraham? How about the God of Joshua? See, the sons of Korah did not write this until the time of David. Think of all the people they could have chosen. But it's the God of Jacob? Why would the Holy Spirit lead these men to write that it's the God of Jacob who is for us. In fact, keep going. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. Did we get it wrong? No. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The God of Jacob. My friends, one of the greatest encouragements that I have in life is that it says the God of Jacob. You know why? Because there's no way Jacob could have earned it. There's no way Jacob deserved it. There's no way that somehow Jacob looks like this great pillar of society. Whether we look on the side of the deception or we look on the side of the one who is deceived. He's a mess. He is a mess. He doesn't earn it. He doesn't deserve it. It is a picture of God's incredible, magnificent grace. It reminds me, as it should remind you over and over and over, that our God is the God of Jacob's. He's the God of me. He's the God of you. Those who do not deserve mercy. Those who do not deserve to, be a, to have God as their fortress. This is exactly what magnifies the name of the Lord. This is what glorifies the name of the Lord. That Jacob is named. 
But you want to know the second interesting thing about this psalm? Is who wrote it. It's written by the sons of Korah. You know what Korah we're talking about? It's the Korah of the wilderness. It's the Korah of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Remember the story? These guys who rise up against Moses' authority. What happened? The earth opened up and swallowed them. But Numbers 26, 9 through 11 tells us, but not the sons of Korah. They lived. Korah? No. But the sons of Korah. Samuel is one of those descendants. David in Chronicles, takes these sons of Korah and says, you now are going to be the musicians. Some of you are going to write songs and some of you are going to be singers. He gave other jobs to some parts, but to some, they become the musicians. You ever look back in your family tree? Some of you, perhaps, there's some not-so-stellar performers. There's Korahs back there. There's the defiant ones who refuse to submit to the Lord. They were unbelievers. They were pagans. They were unconverted. But you see, we're not saved by our ancestry. That's saved by lineage. That may be who your parents or grandparents or great-grandparents were, but God is the God of grace. So much so that he takes the sons of Korah and gives to them a position whereby they can glorify him. They've got an ancestor raising a defiant fist at the Lord. And they're raising hands in praise. Oh, did you catch the line? Though the earth give way. They know very well the past. But they know very well the grace. That that which they are enabled to do, to lift up the name of the Lord, to give him glory, to give him praise, is only by grace. That's why it's Jacob. It is a reminder over and over and over again to you and I that it is by grace that you have been saved. And this not of yourselves. None of us earn it. None of us deserve it. None of us can do enough good to get there. None of us can suffer enough to get it. But one did. 
one did. You remember, remember the meal that is made? They took two goats, right? They took two goats. That's going to come into play in Israel's history, isn't it? On the Day of Atonement, they're going to take two goats. Upon the one goat, the priest is going to confess the sins of the people, and they're going to take that goat and remove it. The other goat they're going to take and they're going to slaughter. It's a sacrifice. On the Day of Atonement. On the Day of Atonement, God took your sin and he removed it as far as east is from the west. And he laid that sin upon his only son. And he bore that wrath. He bore that condemnation. He bore that judgment. Nothing you've done, nothing you've suffered, nothing you've dealt with earns your salvation. Only, only God's grace. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And God's people say, Amen. Father, we thank you for this reminder from your word again of the depth of your grace. You take Jacob's, you take Bob's, and in your grace, you become their fortress, their refuge, their strength. You become their father. Grace, Father, that wasn't cheap. Grace that cost. Not me, not anyone in this room. Cost your son. Oh, that grace, that amazing grace that reaches into our hearts, our lives, our souls. A grace. That lasts not for a day or a week or a month, but a grace that lasts for all eternity. Forever and ever and ever, may your name be praised. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Amen. Amen.